with the NBA draft officially over and the Pistons selecting Asar Thompson at the fifth overall pick. Free agency is right around the corner now, and now we have to ask the question, how much is too much for the Pistons' main target in free agency? We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Later on in the podcast, we'll talk about uh, a new foe appearing for all of my Smash Bros. fans out there. You guys will get that reference. But a new foe appearing in free agency for the Pistons potentially to go after. We heard his name um, today as of the 26th of June. We heard a new name. We'll talk about who that is and whether he actually is a good fit with this team if they want to go after him. And then even later on in the podcast, we'll talk about making sense of the Pistons' backcourt after the Pistons traded up for Marcus Sasser at the end of the first round. Stay tuned for all of that. But... First thing we got to talk about is something that this isn't the first time we've talked about this, but there seems to be new development after new development after new development as the weeks get or as the days gets closer to NBA free agency. And obviously, a lot of it is going to be a bunch of um, uh, not only teams playing the game, but also the player playing the game and his agent playing the game. And that is of restricted free agency, just free agency in general. You're going to hear a bunch of rumors, a bunch of uh, numbers getting thrown out to try to play the game that is free agency. Um, And obviously the player we're talking about here is Cam Johnson, who has, by all accounts, been the Pistons' number one target in free agency for what feels like weeks now. For weeks, and and honestly, even going back months, um, that this was... This was the guy the Pistons wanted to go after. This was going to be the guy at the top of their list. Um, I know some people, I know James Edwards III has brought up uh, Jeremy Grant uh, as a potential top option for the Pistons in the past, but I've always felt like Cam Johnson's at the top, and I think there's some uh, questions to whether Jeremy Grant actually is going to leave the Trailblazers. If they trade Dame, then maybe I can see that happening more, but I still think Cam Johnson is the number one target for the Detroit Pistons. And the new news with Cam Johnson today is reported by Brian Windhorse. Um, He tweeted, or not tweeted, but he said this on his podcast today. Quote, I think he'll probably get, and when he says he's talking about Cam Johnson, I think he'll probably get around $90 million. If a team comes hunting, he could approach $100 million. Maybe not all guaranteed. I think the Nets will match up to that level. So, we've asked this question before on the podcast. How much is too much for Cam Johnson? And something I've said to you guys over and over is that I'd like to go up to 25 million. 25 million is the most I'd be the be- like most comfortable with uh, getting to for him. But as you get closer to 30 million, like you go 26, 27, 28, whatever. As you get closer to 30 million, each step I start to get less and less comfortable with offering him. So if the Nets, if the rumors are true, if Brian Rinhorst is telling the truth. And the Nets are would be willing to match up to $100 million for Cam Johnson. How much higher would you go 
to get Cam Johnson on this team? Well, here are some questions that you have to keep in mind before you give the answer. First question is the new CBA. We've talked about it before. Later on into the free agency, I'm going to try to get Keith Smith back on the podcast. He's been on the podcast the last two seasons to discuss the Piston salary cap. We don't need him to discuss that much this offseason. I think we all have a very good grasp of what's going on with the Piston salary cap this offseason. But I do want to have him back on and talk about the new CBA. But with the CBA, like I've, I've said to you guys before, and like the most you know common, um, the most, not common, most, most, um, easy way to understand it, I guess, is that it's going to be harder to keep like super teams together. It's going to be harder to pay three guys a big contract, and it's going to make you much more, um, mu- much more aware. And and what's the word I'm looking for? Not much more aware and careful, I guess. Careful about who you're spending your two huge contracts on. It just gets harder and harder with the restrictions on this on the on the luxury tax the salary cap and the penalties penalties you get for going above it. So it just, you just, you're going to see more teams become more careful about who they're paying the super max contracts to who they're going to be paying to make their second big guy. And whether you're going to see guys uh, that would have been paid in the last few years, a lot of money as a third option, if they still get that money. So keep that in mind with the new CBA that's coming around. And then the second thing that you got to keep in mind is, is that Kay Cunningham is getting his extension or we assume we'll be getting extension in the next few years. I think two years from now is when it would kick in if the Pistons were to sign him to an extension. And then with Jane Ivey, it's in three years. Jalen Durant, it's in three years. So you're about two to three years away before what well, I believe your salary caps should, at that point, start to get a little bit hard to work around. Once Cade, if you sign Cade to an extension, Ivy to an extension, Durant to an extension, those guys like plan out how you think that they're going to plan out, especially Cade. Once you sign them to their extensions, that's where things start to get more tricky. During this time, though, during this time, though, while they're still on their rookie contracts, you see the Pistons' salary books, like their cap space and their overall salary cap, it, it's pretty free. They can work around it a ton. They're not, you know, held down by a lot of stuff. They can play with their salary cap a lot during this time. So, if the Pistons were to offer Cam Johnson a three-year contract that's pretty hefty, I mean, that... If you want to try to like match the contracts to get off at the same time that Cade and Ivy's contracts are, or their extensions are coming on at the same time, I can understand that. Maybe if you want to go four years with Cam Johnson, where he, his contract would only be on the books like one year or maybe two years um, on the books once the extensions kick in, to where you don't have a long, long term salary stuck on the books once the extensions kick in. I understand that. So, those are a bunch of things you need to take into account. When you're also asking how much is too much for Cam Johnson. So, that brings me to my actual answer of how much is too much for Cam. Um, I would go above $100 million to try to get him from the Brooklyn Nets. My offer, I think the highest I'd go. And I'd, I would just force the, the Nets to have to try matches. If they did, whatever, i move on to the next target. Also, I, I want to say this again. In a previous episode, I believe three episodes ago, I misspoke. Um, I, I wasn't up or I was updated, but I just, I just forgot about the new rules. You can no longer wait two to three days with a restricted free agent. It's 24 hours now. So the little holding and trying to screw a team over can't happen as much now. So the Pistons will only be waiting 24 hours. So anyways, the most I had offered Cam Johnson four years, $110 million. That's $27.5 million per year. And if the Pistons want to try 
to really like make it hard in the Nets, they could front load the hell out of the contract. Make the first two years, he gets the majority of the money. Maybe gets like $33 million the first year, $32 million the second year, and then it goes de-escalates down. Either way, he's getting 110 but you just front load it to high hell to make it harder on the Nets to do it. They could make it that way. Um, and then obviously with the de-escalating, it would be a much more tradable contract. It'd be a much favorable contract. And then if he is on the books when Cade's extension kicks in, Ivy's extension kicks in, whatever, I think it would only be Cade's in that scenario, a four-year contract. I think it would be Cade's who's still in the books. Uh, or not on, still in the books, but his extension would kick in at that point. You have a contract that's de-escalating. And it's not as expensive as it was before. So that could work out for the Pistons if they could work it out that way. But $110 million is the most I would go for Cam Johnson over four years. If you need to go above that, I just wouldn't do it. I see if he accepts that offer sheet. If he does, you see what happens. If you want to try to come to a sign-in trade, I could see that happening. If they want to try to offer Bojan and Burks for Cam Johnson, I could see that. If they want to try to offer Bojan and Bagley for Cam Johnson, I could potentially see that happening. Maybe Burks and Bagley for Cam Johnson. I could potentially see that happening. So that's the most I would offer for Cam Johnson. Past that, I'm not as comfortable with him. Um, But I do think that for this team, he is worth that money. Um, he's a very versatile shooter. That causes a lot of gravity. He shot. He's a 40% three-point shooter on high volume throughout his career. Um, so, look, I think he would do great things for the team. He's also a really good defender, switchable defender. He's young. The missed games is a bit of concern. Over the last three years, he's played 60, 66, and 42 games. So, he does have some injury risk with him. Um, but the type of player he is, I think it's exactly what the Pistons need, and I think he would fit perfectly, and because of that, um, I, I would be okay paying him that contract. Also, I don't think that contract is as crazy as it would be looked at like five, six years ago. I don't think it's a it, – now, look, it's not a contract to sneeze at. It definitely is a, is a good payday, but it's not like what you would consider it like five years ago, what I'm trying to say here. Even though the new CBA, like I've mentioned, maybe would make you think a little bit more about just handing out anybody $27, 28000000 million dollars onto your team, but that doesn't kick in, I believe, till next offseason anyway. So, And like I said, the Pistons will have all their guys in rookie contracts basically at that point still throughout that. So I don't think it would be too much of a concern for the Pistons. It's more of a concern for like the contenders at that point. But anyways, let me know what you guys think. How much would you guys offer Cam Johnson? How much would you guys be, be comfortable offering him in restricted free agency? Let me know that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Cooker Hill. If the Pistons miss out on Cam Johnson, if the Nets match the offer sheet and they don't get Cam Johnson, who's someone else that can go after? Where? Well, my God, I, you guys hear my voice crack this now? Well, there is a new foe that has appeared as a possible target for the Detroit Pistons. We'll talk about who that is when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So, the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit, or you'll get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right price or the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guarantee fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply at ebaymotors.com 
So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. All right, so we all know, we've talked about it in the first segment. We've talked about it in multiple podcasts. We've seen the reports. We've seen the articles. Cam Johnson seems to be the Pistons' number one option in free agency. But with it being a restricted free agent, it's going to be tough to get him. It's going to be tough to get him. It's, it's, it's hard to get restricted free agents nowadays. It's just tough. So if they were to miss, if they were to miss on Cam Johnson and, and, and Brooklyn were to match, and now they have to pivot to another player. Who are some guys, or who is a player that the Pistons could pivot to? And we've brought up some names on the podcast before. I've brought up Kelly Oubre as a guy. Um, after drafting Asar Thompson and not knowing exactly what the Pistons' idea is with their rotation, not just with the backcourt, but also with the front court, it, it gets kind of dicey with what exactly they're looking for or what they're trying to add. That It is rather... Um, you kind of got to assume some things at this point until we actually see them do it because it, it is pretty clunky and, and you know, tight right now in the roster. Um, but Kelly Oubre is a guy that I've mentioned that I'd like the team to go after if they want to pivot to somebody else that would be cheaper. Um, I could see, like, if Kelly Oubre wants a big payday, maybe you give him a heavy contract for two years with a team option in the back. Like, you give him a really good payday for one year, a team option if he plays really well and you opt into it, now he's expiring. If not, you decline it, and now he goes back into free agency again. So, I could see something like that working out for both sides. Someone, And it's not just Kelly Oubre, but like a guy like Kelly Oubre who isn't the player that you, you know, like a Cam Johnson, but is a fine player in free agency, maybe looking for a really good payday. The Pistons have a ton of cap space to use. Maybe they can use all their cap space at the time on a player like that that doesn't restrict long-term flexibility because you can just opt out of their contract the following year. I can see that being a way the Pistons decide to use their cap space because you want to use your cap. You, you can't just go without using their cap. So I can see that being a, a, a probably a smart way to use their cap if they want to get a useful player, pay them a lot, and then get off of it the next year. I can see that being something. And again, not just for Kelly Oubre, like a guy of his caliber in free agency. Maybe they, they could do something like that with a Kyle Kuzma, even though Kyle Kuzma is better than Kyle, Kelly Oubre, but you get my idea. Um, but those are not the players. Those players are not the ones we've heard. Apparently, the Pistons have a relative um, type of interest in. The player we've just heard from James Edwards III with a new article on The Athletic, and I can say for what it's worth that I had also heard over this past few days that the, this was a guy the Pistons would be interested in. Harrison Barnes, player for the Sacramento Kings, obviously played a long time. In Golden State, played for Dallas after them, and then went to play for Sacramento over the last four years. He is now 31 years of age, heading into, I believe, what is this, his 10th season in the NBA? I believe this would be, no, his 11th season in the NBA, I believe, it would be upcoming. Um, he's a guy that the Pistons have somewhat of interest in. Would he fit with this team? So, yes, I do think Harrison Barnes would fit with this team. Again, I'm going to bring it up. There is some things we need to figure out. Uh, about like the, or the Pistons need to figure out. We don't need to figure it out. The Pistons need to figure it out. What they're doing with their with their rotation, who's in, who's out, what spots are they trying to clear? Um, it's possible I've heard and we've seen reports that the Pistons will be trying to, um, package 
some guys with potentially a Marvin Bagley, potentially a, a, a James Wiseman, a combination of a Burks and Bagley, a combination of a Bojan and Bagley, like that kind of thing, to create a roster spot, to create some minutes in the front court. Because, um, again, it is getting pretty crowded on the roster, and they do have cap space to, to make some plays here. Um, so we don't know how they're going to figure that out. But nonetheless, Harrison Barnes would fit what this team de- pretty much needs, a wing who can catch and shoot long, um, not as athletic anymore, but he's long. Strong guy. Um, so he fits that. Uh, this past season for the Sacramento Kings, obviously they made the playoffs. Uh, this past season, by far, he was basically just a spot-up guy for this team. His most used play type for the Kings was spot-up. He had 376 possessions as a spot-up shooter. The next closest was transition opportunities at 248, 248 possessions. So over 130 or just at 130 possessions difference between spot up and transition his next closest half court usage was handoffs at 102 possessions so that's almost 300 possessions more spot up until you get to like to next the next half court type of usage so all the other things extremely small sample he wasn't really used as anything else but a spot up guy in sacramento and for what it was worth he was pretty good at spot up he was in the 76th percentile synergy calls that very good so and I'm sure he has some other stuff he could do um, with that. Sacramento team wasn't really asked to do all the other stuff they maybe could be able to do with Sabonis there and with De'Aaron Fox there. Um, but I, you could say the same thing if he came to the Pistons. You wouldn't be asked to do much else. Um, as a catch-and-shooter, he was in the 50, 54th percentile. 76th percentile is guarded. He's one of those rare guys that you see that shoot better when he's actually contested than when he's wide open. On wide open threes, he's at 30, 35.6%. When he's guarded, he's at 36.6%. So he shoots slightly better when he's guarded, um, but still a good percentage nonetheless either way. Um, point being, he would fit what the Pistons need. They need some shooting on the wings. He's a veteran. They they would be trading. Like if they wanted to trade Bojan and Bagley, like I said, in, in a package like that to get to free up some minutes, you're keeping a veteran presence with uh, Harrison Barnes. You're not giving up veteran uh, leadership in the locker room. You're getting another guy who's not as a sl- much as a slouch as Boyan defensively. Now, he's not as good of a shooter as Boyan on offense. Boyan's a great shooter. But Boyan's so bad defensively at this point that maybe Harrison Barnes can make up some of that difference. But this is my this is my one concern with like a Harrison Barnes. It's not a concern so much. It's just why I have him lower on my list. He's 31 years old. And I don't question his availability. He plays a ton of games. Um, he played 82 games this past season, 77 games the year before, 58 before that, and then went right back 72, 77, 79, 79. Like, he plays a ton of games. Doesn't miss, miss a lot of games at all. So he's going to be available. But at this age, there's been some slippage defensively. And as he gets older, the slippage defensively is going to continue to stack up. And again, he's not Bojan, but I don't think he's too great defensively from what I've under, what, from what I've heard and what I understand. He's not that great defensively. He's not a complete slouch, but he's not great. And as he gets older, he's just going to continue to have some of that slippage defensively. And if you're going to pay him, and then also the contract you pay him, that's another question. Are you paying him the same amount as you would a Cam Johnson? At that point, I would rather have a Cam Johnson. How much less are you paying him than a Cam Johnson to where the difference in money is worth it? That, hey, we we like Cam, but the money we'll save on, on offering Harrison Barnes instead is worth it. How much less would you be offering Harrison Barnes? I don't think Harrison Barnes is going to free agency expecting to get, you know, a cheap contract here. 
He was on a team that played really well this past season. Again, like I said, he's 31 years old. This is probably his last time getting a payday. He was just making $21 million this past season. I'm assuming he wants to make more than that. So would he be getting at least a $100 million contract over like four years or maybe like a three-year contract? Maybe not. Let me not say $100 million. I was saying 100 because I was trying to divide it into four. So basically what I was saying is 25 per season. Would he want that annual kind of contract? Like, what's the difference between contracts here? Because I'd rather have Cam. But if you miss on Cam, or if Harrison Barnes is just much cheaper than Cam, and you can get him on a shorter-term contract, then I understand it. I understand it a lot more. And and again, I also understand because Harrison Barnes plays well. He's not a bad player. He's a fine player. I just have questions, If and especially if you're, like, keeping Boyan, too. If you're running Harrison Barnes and Boyan together, which I don't think you would do if you sign a guy like him in free agency, you're probably moving on from Boyan. But if you're keeping both those guys and you're running them on the wings, I, I don't want to see that on the wings. I think their defense would be really bad on the wings again. I just don't want to deal with that. I Like, I, I can't do it again. I can't do it. And Weaver sounds like he doesn't want to do it either. So I'd have to assume you'd be moving on for Boyan and, and, and maybe getting another guy at the four that can play defense, or maybe you're starting Arsar Thompson and getting the defense from him. So, again, a lot of it comes down to what are they deciding to do with the roster because it is clunky right now. But... Cam Johnson would be at the top of my list. Next option would be to over slightly overpay one of the mid-tier guys on like a two-year contract with a team option. And then third third option, I would have a guy like a Harrison Barnes there. Um, and maybe even above, a, probably in the same tier as getting Harrison Barnes, would be just trading for a heavy contract. Before we mentioned Tobias Harris, but it sounds like Daryl Morey's on utter crack right now with what he thinks his value is. Asking for Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, and a pick. Daryl Morey needs to be drug tested. I don't know what's going on over there in Philadelphia, what they got in their water. So I guess Tobias Harris isn't exactly an option for the Pistons no more. But another guy like that, a heavier contract you can trade for, that has like a two years left on his deal, maybe one, two, two years left to where you're not stuck financially for a long time. Um, but Harrison Barnes is like in that same tier. I wouldn't be mad if they signed Harrison Barnes either. I, I see the fit. I just have some concerns about the wing defense then if they do sign him. I hope they get like a guy for that can play some defense. Or maybe they're trying to start Stewart for it. Maybe they actually do want to do that. So, I, I don't know. We, again, we got to wait to see what they do because I got to try and make sense of the roster. Um, but just let me know. What do you guys think about Harrison Barnes joining the Pistons? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Hill. Coming up, I want to toss out the options of how the Pistons will make their backcourt make sense because there's been a lot of conversation about what's going to happen in the backcourt now after drafting Marcus Sasser. We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, you guys got here from some of our lovely sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, All right, so in this segment, I'm not going to be talking about what I would do or what I want to do. I'm just laying out all the options that the Pistons have of making sense with their backcourt. And the reason why this is a question, because obviously you've got Kay Cunningham and Jane Ivey starting at the one and two. Before drafting Marcus Sasser, you had Killian Hayes and Alec Burks as, as the backup ones and two. But now, after drafting Marcus Sasser, with what his skill set is, with him being an older prospect, he's older than Killian Hayes. He's not a guy that's going to need a ton of development. He's supposed to be ready to play immediately. And what he is good at, point of attack defensively and off-ball shooting, it's something that the Pistons need. So it sounds like if 
I could actually, you know what? Let me not spoil one of the options here. But it seems like that he's going to be ready to play, and they want him to play immediately. So that puts a bit of a logjam there. You have five guys, four positions to soak up minutes, unless they want to play one of them at the three. But then that talks about taking minutes from Livers, potentially Asar Thompson. So if it, let's just assume for this talk that they don't want any of these guys taking minutes at the three position. They're not going to try to run three guard lineups to get them all minutes. Like that's not going to happen. What are the options here? Well. Here are the options. One, you trade Killian Hayes. You get you move on from Killian Hayes. You're done with the Killian Hayes experiment. You move on from him. Again, I'm not saying what I would do. Cause I don't want to be labeled as biased. I'm just laying out all the options that the Pistons have. Because I don't think people really are understanding all the options they have. So the first one is you could just trade Killian Hayes. And you can run Marcus Sasser and Alec Burks as the backups ones and twos. Now, from what I've heard is Marcus Sasser is not so much of a traditional point guard. He's not so much of a point guard. He is an off-ball guard on offense and a point-of-attack guy who guards the ones on, on defense. From what I understand, doesn't mean he can't do it, but from what I've been told from some draft guys is that he's an off-ball player on offense. Doesn't mean he can't do stuff with the ball in his hands. It's just he's not a point guard. Could be wrong, but that's just what I've heard. So that's the first option they could do. Maybe the Pistons believe in him as the backup point guard, not as an off-ball guy. They'd move on from Killian A's. They're done with the experiment. They trade him. Second option, you trade Alec Burks. Alec Burks gets traded. You run Killian Hayes and Marcus Sasser um, as the backup one and two. Their defense would be really freaking good. You got Killian Hayes as a team defender off ball in the passing lanes. He was one of the best passing lane defenders, off ball defenders in the league this past season, according to B-Ball Index. Really good defender. And then you let Killian Hayes run the show with a spot up, a, a really good spot up shooter next to him. And you move on from Alec Burks, you get some kind of asset back for him. Maybe you package him with Boyan, or, well, I guess you could package him with Boyan, but you could package Burks with uh, Bagley or a Wiseman to try to shed some contracts and get something back for somebody, or back for him. So that's the second option. Third option is, you go into the, the season with all three, and Killian Hayes out the rotation. You go with Burks and Sasser as your main guys. And you Killian Hayes, you just keep him out the rotation. Fourth option. Fourth option is you have them battle it out in preseason. See if Killian Hayes has improved. See if Killian Hayes can build on some of the improvements he had last season. If he does and forces, forces the team's hand that, hey, he's actually improved, we got to play him, I, then maybe you move on from Burks at that point. Make them battle it out. That's the fourth option. Fifth option, and this is the option I think as of right now is most likely going to happen. Again, not what I think should happen and what I would do, but I think as of right now, I could be wrong, but as of right now, I think this might be the most likely option that happens. I think they go into the season with Killian Hayes, or they most likely one is they go into the season with Killian Hayes, Alec Burks, and Marcus Sasser. Marcus Sasser doesn't play to start the season. You run with Killian Hayes and Alec Burks to see two things. One, is Killian Hayes built on this last season? Is he playing well? If he isn't playing well, he didn't build upon it, then you just sub in Marcus Sasser and Killian Hayes is out the rotation. It's over for him. It's done. It is what it is. So the next option is Killian Hayes is playing well. He does build on his last season. He does continue to improve at 21 years old. And the Pistons are like, you know what? Troy Weaver is his first draft pick. They're like, okay, he's building upon it. He's getting better like we saw this past season. We want to keep him. We want to move on with him. We want we want to talk like, a, like the extension we heard in one of the articles this past few weeks where it's like a three-year, $16 million extension. Try again for super cheap as you see him improve. If that's what the case is, one of those two options, if that's the case in this second option that he does play well, 
Then they move Burks at the deadline, or maybe slightly before the deadline, like in December or something. And then they put Marcus Sasser into the lineup. And now you're running with Killian Hayes and Marcus Sasser. That case, you're keeping... It's kind of like a... It's the most safe way, I guess, to go about it. Because if Killian Hayes doesn't play well, he doesn't improve, then you can just move on from him. You bench him. He's at the rotation. Now you got Sasser and Burks. If he does play well, now you can move on from Burks, get an asset in return, and you've got a guy who you really believe in that can just step in and take all his minutes away and, and run with Burks, or not or not Burks, run with Sasser and Killian Hayes. I think those are basically all your options right there. And I can see every single option happening. So I, I don't know which way they're going to go. I'm not going to say what option I want to happen because I don't want to be accused of being biased or something. But those are the options I'm seeing right now. Trade Killian. Trade Burks immediately in the next week or so, the next few weeks. Go into the season with all three of them and just don't play Killian Hayes. Go into the season with all three of them. Start off playing Killian Hayes and Alec Burks. Killian Hayes doesn't play well. Bench him. Take him out the rotation. Bring in Marcus Sasser. You, you have those two guys, and then you just let Killian Hayes walk in the offseason once he hits. Uh, don't extend his qualifying offer. You let Killian Hayes go. Move on from the experiment. Or the fifth option. Going with all three of them, Killian Hayes does play well. Now you trade Alec Burks for an asset, and you have his replacement just sitting on the bench that you believe in. Bring him in. Now you play both of them. And it's not something you have to wait till like, February to do. You could trade Burks in, in December, November, January, and, and get a lot of reps still for Marcus Sasser to play. So I think those are all the options they have. Um, if there's another option that you guys think that I just didn't mention, I don't think there's another option. But if there is, let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Hill. But more importantly... Which option do you want the Pistons to do with this backcourt? Let me know again, all that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. But that's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe and peace out.